You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We said four quarters, all gas, no break. You guys did that today. Hell of a job. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, for team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you should follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. At least you can. I don't know if you should, but you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. Today, we finish up our NFC North Locked On Podcast Network roundtable. So Locked On Vikings, Locked On Bears, Locked On Lions, and of course, Locked On Packers, all in to discuss Matthew Stafford, Matt Patricia, and everything about the Detroit football Lions. Before we get to that discussion, though, there is a couple pieces of news that we're going to talk about. We're going to finish with the Derrick Henry contract and what that could potentially mean for the Packers, but I want to start with the announcement that was made yesterday. On Wednesday, the Green Bay Packers announced that there would be no fans at training camp or at exhibition games. And while this isn't surprising, it is an important and momentous step for the team. Because Packers training camp is a unique thing in sports. And there have been some other teams that have subsequently tried to copy it. But there is nothing like the community support for the Green Bay Packers. There is nothing like the smallest market team in sports having the kind of ravenous fan base that it has. People make trips. They make mecca trips to Green Bay to go to training camp, to ride bikes, and to enjoy the experience of going to Packers training camp. That will no longer be. And of course, there are more important things that relate to the coronavirus and the and the tragedy around it. And unfortunately, there are a lot of states where things are getting worse, not better. You look at what's happening in Texas and Houston, and it is it's heartbreaking. The Packers not being able to give the fans one season of this special experience pales in comparison to all of that, of course. But this is a Packers podcast. This is a football podcast. So for Packer fans, this sucks. And there's just no other way to put it. It is difficult to express how much it sucks. Because there were no doubt, and I don't mean just one or two, there were hundreds of people potentially planning to make a trip, get on an airplane, take a long car ride to go to Green Bay, to watch the Packers practice, to watch them come across, to do the, the bike experience, and, and frankly, just to sit in the stands and watch their team practice. We're talking about practice, not a game, not a game, because a lot of those fans have never been to a game. I know a lot of people who have only ever been to practice, or they've been to 
you know, a handful of games, but they go to training camp every year because number one, it's free. And number two, it's easier to get a seat. (laughs) It's a lot easier to get a ticket because, well, there's no tickets. So this is, this is a big deal to the fans. It's going to be the same thing with family night. That is going to be uh, remote. Apparently that there's going to be some way that, that, you know, fans can, can get involved. Obviously it is something that is broadcast on TV, but it's not the same. The point is family night. And so the Packers are finding some other substitute. It is also worth noting here because the impact and the potential consequences range far beyond what's going on in the next few weeks. The Packers say there will be no fans at exhibition games. And the NFLPA doesn't want exhibition games at all. So this could be one of two things, and it could actually be two of two things. Clearing the way for no fans at at exhibition games opens up the opportunity for the Packers to say, and oh, by the way, there will be no fans in the regular season. By saying there are going to be no fans in exhibition games, they are tacitly admitting that those games don't matter as much. We all know that they don't matter as much, but the the extent to which they don't matter is clearly significantly greater. And so it strengthens the NFLPA's case to say, well, why even have them? The The only people who care are the fringe roster guys. Of course, it matters a lot to them, but to the average player and certainly to the powerful players, it just doesn't matter that much. Now, the Packers, they want to see Jordan Love play. They want to see A.J. Dillon play. They want to see Josiah DeGuara and Reggie Bagleton and some of these new additions get on the field. That work is going to have to be done in training camp. But we could be in a situation where the Packers are saying, look, there's, there's not going to be fans for the exhibition games. And once fans are prepped for that, and I think ultimately this is the most likely outcome, they say... And oh, by the way, there will be no fans in the regular season either. Players are becoming more and more vocal about the risks involved here. And, you know, the NFL said there's going to be no jersey swapping at the end of games. And players like Richard Sherman were like, oh, well, so it's okay that we're on the field together for an hour. We're on the field together for, you know, three hours. But after the game, we can't spend five minutes together. And and the counter, of course, is, well on the field is football, and that's what you're getting paid to do. The, the goal is to mitigate risk as much as possible, so all non-football activities have to be canceled. I understand the perspective. I don't even think this is a bad rule by the NFL, and I, I am as critical of the league as anyone in terms of the, the stupid rules and the non-rules, the rules that they could enact that they don't. That would make the game better and more appealing to fans. This is fine to me, but... The players are understanding, I think, more and more the risks here, and we're seeing it in the NBA. We're seeing it in the bubble. And guys went into the bubble, players like Russell Westbrook, who you know contracted COVID days before going into the bubble. And of course, there's, there's no outrage over that. There's no, no hey, um, Russ, you have tens of millions of dollars. You live in a big, beautiful home, presumably. And it would have been really easy for you to just stay home for two weeks before this whole bubble thing. So why didn't you? And there's a lot of uh, there's a there's a lot more money for guys like Russell Westbrook at stake in the NBA than there are in the NFL. So if these guys won't do it, what are the players in the NFL going to be doing? Now, of course, the guys on the fringe of the rosters they they have 
to make sure that they're doing everything they can because they need a season. They, they don't have the money saved up. And I'm not just talking about rookies and first and second year players. I'm, I'm talking about long snappers and, you know, backup, backup safeties and guys who are, who are not making big time money. They need a season. Aaron Rodgers doesn't need to play this year. Dante Adams doesn't need to play this year. Zadarius Smith got his guaranteed money. Those guys are fine. Those guys are set for life. It's, it's the guys who voted for this CBA, the CBA that was better for the, the middle class and the fringe roster guys. Those were the players who cared about that. And they're the players who need to play. So they're, they're the players who need the star players to say, this has to be done as safely as possible. They need Richard Sherman to be saying, look, this is important and we need to be on top of it. They need J.C. Treder, the president of the Players Union, saying, we're not going to play if the, the necessary precautions are not taken. I was really heartened by a, a picture that was posted. The Green Bay Packers have their own little testing unit. And it's presumably for rapid testing and to make sure that the players can can get in. They have their own dedicated space. They don't have to go to a city MD or their, or their local clinic. And by the way, risk infection. Yes, everyone else has to do that. But the Packers can afford to have this little clinic. It's something that, in fact, in Germany, for example, a lot of private businesses invested in testing capabilities because guess what? It's good for business. So while the NFL has said uh, publicly, and it was reported by ESPN that the league does not want to have capabilities beyond what the local communities have. That's just number one, not true. And number two, it's good for the NFL to be investing in these kind of technologies. Frankly, I wish more businesses would be doing that. There's no reason why Amazon, Google, they can't be doing tests on employees and, and contact tracing and all the things we've gone far afield of the topic at hand, but the point is the Packers are trying to do what's right, and hopefully the other teams are trying to do that as well because it's really important for these players to have a safe season, and it just doesn't seem likely that that can possibly involve fans in seats at stadiums. And a lot like the training camp thing, I know that sucks. I know that sucks, and that's not what you want me to, that's not what you want me to say. That's not what you want to hear. But it's it's the unfortunate reality. We don't we don't set the timeline, and that that just is what it is. The virus is the thing, and we have to make sure that that's taken care of, so that everyone can be safe, not just some people, not just the people most at risk, so everyone can be safe. Before we get to our crossover, I want to tell you that today's episode is brought to you by Bobbles Galore. Bobbles Galore is a leading bobblehead retailer in the country because they have a vast inventory of bobbleheads from all major sports leagues including the Packers, Brewers, and Bucks. They're officially licensed by the NBA, Major League Baseball, and the NFL right now. In limited quantities, they have a triple MVP Wisconsin puzzle bobblehead that showcases Giannis Antetokounmpo, Aaron Rodgers, and Christian Yelich. This is unlike anything you've seen before. I've seen it. it is, it's pretty incredible. And especially if you're a Wisconsin sports fan, you run the gamut. This is the kind of piece of memorabilia that you need. Also, we're talking Greek flag Giannis bobbleheads. And an incredible, I know I said incredible, but incredible augmented reality experience via the Bobble Galore unique AR Bobbles app. They also have a friendly chat feature on their website, so you can just go and say, hey, I'm thinking about this, and they can walk you through the process. They can make you a custom bobblehead for any occasion. Go to bobblesgalore.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON to get free shipping. 
Our day four, Locked On Lions, Locked On Podcast Network, the division crossover, NFC North. We're talking to Lauren Cox, Locked On Bears, Luke Braun, Locked On Vikings, and of course, Peter Bukowski, Locked On Packers, as we kind of take a look at what's ahead for these teams uh, within the division. Appreciate you guys uh, uh, joining me here today. And and obviously, when you look at the Lions, we've had these discussions over the last few days that people believe the team is 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 going to be better this year. It can't get much worse than three wins last year. And uh, 12 losses and a tie, um, but it starts, you know, at, at the top of the division, Pete, with the, with the Packers and having to knock off Green Bay, something the Lions had a chance to do last year twice, um, and, and we're in both games, including kind of a meaningless game for, for the Lions in Week 17, but you go back to that Lambeau Field heartbreaker and everything else, but from a Packers perspective, how do you, how do you view what's going on in Detroit? Well, I mean, I think the Packer fans are enjoying any and all dunks on Matt Patricia. That's just going to be par for the course. So, <laughs> so say make, we all. If, right. If, we're, if you're going to make posture jokes, if you're going to make, you know, he's got a laminated play sheet that he writes on it with a pencil somehow, we're here for all of those jokes. Um, and, and like Luke said, I don't think you have to be a Packer fan for that to be true. But I do think there is a little bit of uneasiness anytime these two teams play just based on what has happened over the last few years. And, and I know that it's the case that, okay, Deshaun Kaiser played in those, in some of those games and Brett Hundley played in, in the games two years ago. And so you can say, Oh, well, the lions and the Packers, here's the record over X number of games, but it's just, it's there, there's just no way around it. The Packers struggled to beat David Blau last year and Although they played much better in the second half of that Monday night game, they didn't come out prepared in the first half and needed some miracle calls and some miracle plays from Aaron Rodgers and Alan Lazard, who at the time was a relative unknown. If any fan base can, can believe that the Lions are a little bit underrated, I think it's the Packers for those, for those reasons. Matthew Stafford is, is perpetually underrated as a talent and as a player. Can he be reliable? I don't know. But if he's playing and Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones and all those guys are healthy, this offense can be scary. The, the Packers have had issues even when the Lions have not been full strength defensively. Um, scoring against the, the Lions, does no Darius Slay materially impact that considering Devontae Adams has, has really owned him the last few years? I don't know. Um, so I, I think there is a, a little bit more of a fear factor. You know, we talked on, on the show about the Packers you know, that the Lions couldn't beat the, the Packers forever. And ever since that's changed, I do think the fear factor has increased for Packer fans when they go into a matchup with the Lions. What about the Vikings, uh, Lucas? Uh, you look at, at where Minnesota is right now, and we talked about my liking for that organization and kind of the consistency that they've had. But, uh, you know, you, you, you have some Matt Patricia jokes as well. Of course. I, I mean, Peter ran the gambit, but I, I, I mean, here's, the, I never liked the Matt Patricia hiring from day one. I, I always thought it, it was, I mean, he had like one of his worst years in New England leading up to it. I always thought it was the Lions falling for a grift, honestly. I, I think his scheme is innovative, but honestly, it very clearly hasn't worked. The idea of like three man rush, drop eight in coverage, do this crazy weird man, man match thing is it just requires so much out of your defensive line and the Lions just I don't think have the horses right now 
to execute that. And I think losing Darius Slay and replacing with a rookie, I view it very similarly similarly to the Vikings, losing Stefan Diggs and replacing him with a rookie. He'll be good, like Jeffrey Okuda. I love Jeffrey Okuda. I think he's going to be a great cornerback. But to expect yeah. him to be Darius Slay right off the bat would be kind of insane. So, yeah, I, I think that the way that that organization has been run in the last few years, I mean, I don't know if I were a Lions fan, I would definitely not be happy with it. It's interesting because I think in Detroit, certainly the, the Slay thing was just, it was inevitable. And he's, you know, he, he was a special talent, a very good player, uh, wanted to get paid, just didn't fit the whole Patriot way thing. He's, he's, we talked about the guy spout off on Twitter and then hop on that, uh, hop on that app, as we like to say, you know, that's whether it's Quandre Diggs, Snacks Harrison, uh, Graham Glasgow, TJ Lang over the years, Golden Tate. Eric Ebron, Slay, the, the guys that are active on social media, they all get shipped out of town. So <laughs> from the standpoint of playing right. culture ships good players out of town and your culture sucks. Right. No, and that's, and that's an issue. Unless, and, unless and your culture is set by Bill Belichick because that's a thing Bill Belichick does too. Right. He got but Randy I'm, Moss in and got good years out of him, you know? Like Bill Belichick does not ship like good players out of town, at least without getting good compensation for them problem is is that the lions feel like they are the patriots of the midwest with how they are are structured how they want to do things and they're not i mean the patriot way you know take belichick and brady out of it not much of a way and the lions don't have a belichick or a brady um you know lauren it's funny everybody believes in detroit that the worst the team will do uh is third meaning that the bears would be behind them this year and that you know even with an eight and eight season last year that, that chicago now is 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 catapulting down from obviously two years ago uh what's your take on that when you look at detroit and chicago right now well i'm definitely in the group that looks at what matthew stafford was doing last season before he was injured and really feel like he was maybe the best quarterback in the division through the first eight games in terms of production at that time i know he was only with like three and four and there's a tie in there i think but i i really thought like he was on the cusp of something even if they they didn't right, have everything great around him. So I'm, I'm of the belief the Lions will definitely be better next season. But I, th- I don't know. I think, it'll be, I think it'll be tight in that, in that battle for last place. right? I, mean, I, think, I think the Lions are going to be in this division competition, at least for some portion of the season, if they can get some of their stuff together. I, I'm envisioning the Bears not being too different from where they were this past season. I, I don't think there's, they're going to take any bigger step backs from where they were, but I'm not sure that they're going to get back to a, a full-on playoff spot just yet. So I'm expecting somewhere in that 7-9 to nine win range. And it wouldn't surprise me if the, if the Lions crept back closer to that same win range if Matthew Stafford is healthy and able to play a, close to a full season at close to the same level that he was doing last year. I really thought that made such a big difference for them when uh, the quarterback position really hit the fan. So, you know, I, I I think it's – I'm not quite ready to say, well, the Lions are definitely going to be third, but I think I, I can certainly see a scenario where things don't pan out that well for the Bears and where Stafford continues to kind of pick up where he was last season and, and do a lot of great things in spite of everything else struggling around them. Where do you guys have Stafford ranked? You know, ESPN um, says he's a top-10 quarterback, had him at number 10, and something I'm going to bring up uh, or I brought up on the show last week. What, what do you guys think? Pete, I'll start with you. Oh, top 10. I mean, I think the numbers are sort of arbitrary, but do I think he's a really good quarterback? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know that I could honestly name nine guys that I would take over Stafford. If we're just talking about 
you know, I know I'm going to get him for a game. It's, it's this question that I keep coming back to. It's, is, is he healthy? I mean, Bill Simmons used to call him Matt Stafford if he can stay healthy and that that should be his full name that, because that has just always been the caveat with him. The years that he has been healthy and had help, like he had a 5,000-yard year. He was off to a really good start. He was the best quarterback in the NFC North in the games that he played last year. And part of that is because Kenny Galladay is really good. Marvin Jones is really good. You're going to get TJ Hawkinson back. And now you add in DeAndre Swift to a backfield with on Johnson. And I think, you know, there are a lot of pieces to be excited about with this offense, even if the offensive line probably still leaves some to be desired. I have some questions about the offensive play calling and the design, although I like a lot of it. So I think Matthew Stafford is really good, and, and he would be the reason above all else that I think that they can be a 7-8-9 win team this year, even if I don't think their defense is very good. Are we all in agreement, sort of, the if we power ranked the four NFC North quarterbacks, Rodgers, Stafford, Cousins, and then whoever starts in Chicago? We did this last time out, and Stafford was the guy that I think most people picked, actually. I, I don't know what I feel on that, but let's talk about it tomorrow. That's probably a good idea, David. <laughs> wow. All right. I mean, I, I, look, I, I think that it is a tease, but I, I think that uh, um, nice Bill Simmons reference, by the way, um, there, Pete, because um, I, I wonder if he has Deshaun Watson and, and Lamar Jackson in his top 10. Sorry, that was way too easy. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> Do we leave that in or edit that out? All right. So, um, but, but. Uh, this is an open mic night, Matt. <laughs> But it's funny because in, in Detroit with Stafford, it's, it's, you know, there, there are some fans that go, he's been here 11 years. We haven't won anything. There were fans that wanted them to trade a down or, or, or take Tua at three on draft night and just start over. And I'm not starting over when you have a GM in year five and a coach in year three that, that you're paying for the next few years. You're not doing that. So, but there were fans here that, that would have rather had uh, Tua and kind of started over and ship Stafford out. But I, this ownership group, I don't think they're ever going to ship Stafford out. I think he's, he's going to be here as long as he wants to be here. There's a difference, I wonder, I think, between wanting Stafford shipped out and saying, it's over, it's time, be like the Chargers with Rivers, and wanting to be opportunistic when you had the third overall pick, right? And like everybody and their mother kind of knew that you were going to go with Okuda, replace Darius Slay and all that. But I definitely sympathize with the idea that, yeah, Stafford has been there since 2009 and they've only made the playoffs a handful of times, never won a game and all that. But I don't know. There, there is a point at which the Jersey is more powerful than you like the, the lions organization and all of the tumultuous things that have happened there in the last decade, huge, huge part of that is not really Stafford's fault. And I think when we're evaluating the quarterback, we kind of have to take that into account. Like, yeah, the offensive line has been crap and then he gets the crap beat out of him and then he gets injured a bunch and then he can't play healthy. Like, I don't think we need to overcomplicate it or pretend that that's not a factor here, but I definitely also sympathize with you had a chance to draft to a tag of Iloa. And if he's in the pro bowl in the next few years and, and, you know, the dolphins end up having like a big turnaround with him. Yeah. I could totally see looking back on that decision with a little bit of regret, even if Okuda turns out well. We'll see. I think fans are excited about him and I think the draft went really well for the lions, but again, it's just a matter of enough depth. And as Peter said, can they get stops? You know, the offense is going to be fine. Um, But if they can get to some stops, they'll win some of these close games that they lost. Uh, last year. Fellas, uh, appreciate it. There's Lauren Cox from the Bears, Luke Braun from the Vikings, Peter, of course, with Locked On Packers. 
as we wrap up this uh, crossover on this day four. All right, I want to finish up here with a quick discussion about the Derrick Henry deal because um, this was a deal that surprised me a little bit because it was more reasonable than I thought it would be. Derrick Henry got four years 50 from the Tennessee Titans with 25, a little over 25 guaranteed. That $25 million is only slightly more what the franchise tag would be over the next two seasons. And so the Packers still have that card to play with Aaron Jones. And so if you're the Packers and he wants more than that $10 million a year, you just say, well, here's the thing. You're a running back. And we can franchise you twice and pay you the same amount of guaranteed money that Derrick Henry just got, which, by the way, is good for you because guaranteed money is guaranteed money. And then be done. And you're going to hit the market with two more years of tread on your tires. You're going to risk the injury that comes with playing these games. And, and you're doing that without the long-term stability. So what we would like you to do is take a little less than that. Take something like four years, 36. Because I don't think Aaron Jones right now has the leverage to get the Henry deal. Because he's, he's before... That franchise tag. This was in the franchise tag window. Henry and the Titans were one of the few team and players combos to come to an agreement in this window. We're talking about a year after where Aaron Jones is right now. So if you're the Packers, you want to get this deal done before he can command the Henry deal. You say, hey, can you take uh, Melvin Gordon just got two years 16. That's 80 year. We think you're worth more than that, but the franchise tag is going to be 10 and change next year. And we can just franchise you. So, you know, the, the value of us going long term doesn't make sense for us to give you 10. How about nine? How about four years, nine per season? And, you know, we'll give you something close in guarantees, 20 million guaranteed. Because it's a, you know, you, you put 20 million in the first two plus seasons. That's a reasonable deal for both sides. Aaron Jones is a player who was phenomenal last year and was held back by Mike McCarthy, but does have some injury issues or at least some question marks in his past. And if he does go out and have a huge season, now all of a sudden you might have to give him that Derrick Henry deal. And by the way, he would deserve it. And maybe he deserves it now. Aaron Jones is a, a, a really, really good player. I almost said great player. If he plays like that again, I will say he is a great player. He is certainly a great guy and, and really fun to watch. If you're a Packers fan, he is also incredibly fun to root for. And I saw a, a Tennessee Titans media member say, you know, this Derrick Henry deal is good for the Titans because it, it shows that if you do the things the right way, you work hard, you become a good player, you will be rewarded with a contract that is commensurate to your abilities. And that is true to a point. Now, it's also the case that there are financial realities to all of this. The Packers have Kenny Clark that they have to deal with. They have David Bakhtiari, Devontae Adams, and then questions about Aaron Rodgers. They still need to answer. So they need to find a solution that makes sense for them. Maybe giving Aaron Jones $10 million guaranteed next year on a franchise tag is untenable for them given what they want to do with these other contracts. That would be even more incentive to get a deal done now. You can get that cap hit a little bit lower to, to mitigate some of the issues having Aaron Rodgers on the roster because maybe in two years you don't have him on the roster and you can balloon out some of that, that money. It also opens up the possibility for that post-2022 contract to expand a little bit when we're expected to get a new media rights deal. So 
all of these things work interconnectedly, and I wouldn't be surprised if we get a Packers deal here before the season started, whether it's David Bakhtiari's extension or Devontae Adams' extension or Kenny Clark's extension. They may wait on the Aaron Jones thing just because they can, uh, and, they, and they still have that franchise tag in their back pocket, but I think both teams are motivated to get a deal done. So uh, I, I actually do think that they, they ultimately re-sign Aaron Jones. So just something to keep an eye on over the next couple weeks. My guess would be some sort of move extension is done here because the Packers will get some level of clarity on where the salary cap is, and then they're going to want to get some things moving here before 2021. All right, we're going to be back next week, and we will be that much closer to training camp. In fact, we are under a week before rookies report, and then we'll have actual football to talk about, actual play on the field, and won't that be nice? So back next week and talking all the latest around the league. Remember, follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. You can like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show, for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Just wanted to reiterate it in case you forgot who we are. That is who we are. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers.